For Jesus said, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. For whosoever, that's any person. That's every person. There's no exception. It means since the beginning of time and the olden days, whoever it was that attempted to save their life or arrange for themselves, that person will lose his life. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. My burden and concern for many years has been that we people in the church and the ministry, if we're not very careful and pray much, we spend more time saving ourselves than we do doing God's will. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. For 20 years after I was converted, I would think of this scripture. I never heard it preached on, and I didn't know what it meant. I couldn't quite get the vision or the glimpse of the wonder of it. But after walking with Jesus some years, he began to reveal to me what the little parts of it mean. Whosoever follows and does his own earthly desires is working to save his life to lose it. Every person that works to follow and desires to follow and attempts to follow his own desires of the earth, that person will lose their life. There's no exception. That's what Jesus is saying. Whosoever will seek to save himself shall lose his life. That is, he will never make heaven. He will miss God's will in the earth if he seeks to save himself. So we save ourselves by doing what we desire to do. Does it make it how good, how good the desire is? How marvelous it is? How commendable it is? If that desire is not led of the Holy Spirit, if that is not of the Holy Spirit, we're working to save ourselves to be lost. That means any decision we make that is not led of the Holy Spirit, we are working to save our life to lose it. This is a vast, immense, tremendous truth. Amen. But it's simple, but it's altogether all-reaching. He that will save his life. He that will work to press, to want to do what he wants and what he wills and his desires, that person is working to save himself to be lost. And that is a tremendous Amen. truth to consider. Whosoever will save his life. So we save our life by making plans that we like. We save our life by making the plans that we think will work out the best for us. And we're simply working to save ourselves to be lost. And are not aware of it unless a prophet of God, a servant of God, brings it to our heart so we can see it. 
doesn't make any difference. How great is the accomplishment? Doesn't make any difference how great the accomplishment in appearance. If that hasn't been led of God, the Holy Spirit, we're working to save ourselves to be lost in the final analysis. Whosoever will save his life shall lose his life if he attempts to work it out for his own advantage. And as we consider this text, we see that this is a significant truth that has to do with all of life, with every aspect of life. That means that we must, from the time we are saved or we know we ought to be saved, from that time we need to utterly surrender to do as the Lord would reveal and not make the choice of our own and not work it out for ourselves. For if we do, uh, that person will be lost. That's how simple it is. And it's uh, a challenge. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. So we uh, work to save our life by getting something for ourselves, for some selfish purpose, some inner benefit that we want to accomplish. We will lose our life in that affair. This text is a, a truth that applies to the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And when Adam and Eve was given the word of our God that they may have everything in the garden but of that particular tree, the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, said you shall not have it. It was an attractive. It was so beautiful. It was so enticing. And they, could, they thought that if they would partake of it, it would help them and benefit them or save them. And in it, they lost and perished in that very thing. They lost the fellowship. They wanted to get it to save themselves, to better their position, their desires, and fill their taste buds with beauty and enjoyment. So they worked to save themselves to be lost and put us all into a lost state of sin because they wanted to get something for themselves and did the very thing that God had told them not to do. The self in you and me is a strong force and that will bypass the cross always to get what that self wants. That soul will be lost. So this particular verse and teaching to Jesus that he that would save his life shall be lost applies to Adam and Eve in the garden and what they chose to do. It also applies, as I said before, uh, to Lot. Because Lot wanted to save himself. He wanted to save himself by going with Abraham, a man of faith, a man of love, a man of dedication to God. And Lot said, it would do me good. It will help me. It will save me. It will benefit me because Abraham will love me and he will give me assistance. He's a man that knows how to help me so I can't stay here without him. I'm going with him. 
he'll help me, he'll save me. But he was lost. He was not only uh, failing to do God's will, but he put and placed his wife in jeopardy. If he would have stayed where they were, where he belonged, his wife would never have had to go through temptation. Because most people are working to save themselves, they put many people in temptation. They place many people in spiritual storms because they want to benefit themselves. It's easy for the church to try to work out a program that seems to be marvelous, great, but that program, if it's not witnessed to by the Holy Spirit, will not bring us life. It will bring conflict and disappointment and emptiness, distress and division. Regardless of how good the program looks to the church board, he that will save himself will be lost. Whosoever will save himself shall lose his life. So if Abraham, this great man, this faithful man, God told him to leave and go into a land. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a land, which afterward he had received, he obeyed and went out not knowing whether he went. But Lot was not to go with him. And most counselors would have said it would be wonderful to go because Lot's a man of prayer. He's a man of faith. He's a man of love. He'll teach you some things about faith. He'll teach you how to love. He'll teach you many things. They had counsel them. I think it's a good idea. Just go along. See, they've been dead wrong. See how, how reasonable that is? We can't go by reasonableness and what seems to appear to be good. It looked like that Lot would have a great time with Abraham. He looked forward to the fellowship. He didn't want to do without it. But it's better. Listen, God can give you better fellowship down where you belong than where you want to go where it's not going to work. Amen. And so he lost. Lot lost. But that wasn't that story. That wasn't all of it. That was only the beginning. Because Lot chose to go with Abraham. He placed his wife in a hard place and she turned to a pillar of salt. She would never have had that temptation had he stayed back where they were and he'd never gone with this great man of faith. You can't go your plannings on beauty and what seems to be right. Can't go. It looked right for him to go to Abraham. It looked good, but it was dead wrong. And he left to go with him. Now, this scripture applies to it. He that will save his life shall lose it. See, the teachings of Jesus applies to Lot and Abraham. And I never read this in any book. I never saw the teaching applied at any time. I don't know whether you ministers ever did or not. Did you ever see this before? I never did in 51 and a half years. I never saw it. But the teaching of Jesus, he that will save his life shall lose. It applies to Adam and Eve and also Lot and Abraham. See, Abraham was doing God's will, but Lot was not doing God's will by going with him. And when his wife turned to a pillar of salt. Then the devil, you see, came in in a greater fashion and had him to have children with his own daughters, which is an abomination. See, when any man, when any man even touches his daughter, if any man touches his daughter that much, he has, he has sinned. 
He has no business touching his daughter's leg. All right. He's in trouble. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. And then they tell me that fathers actually go farther than that, and I can hardly, it makes me sick. It makes me ill. Imagine a man, a father, touching his daughter. Oh, what he's, he's violated the law of trustworthiness. He's violated the law of holiness. He's violated the law of purity. Self-respect. And you see, Lot, because he wanted to save himself, got into trouble, deep trouble, and had children with his daughters. And now they're descendants, the children of Ammon and Moab. All of them are so precious, just as precious as we are, they, they can't help it. But you see, they're brought into the world in, in a chaotic state, out of divine order. And, and they're just tossed from pillar to post, and there's such anxiety and darkness and blackness, they don't know what in the world's wrong in the morning. They said, I don't feel right. What is wrong with me? Well, they had the wrong start because the father didn't do God's will. That he tried to save his life. He lost it, but he was the cause of many being lost. See, all the descendants, millions of them, because this man was going to save himself by having a good fellowship with a godly man. See how this way is so narrow. See, it's very narrow. But it's wonderful. It's a blessed way. I want to tell you it's the way of heaven. And I've been on this way for 51 and a half years, and uh, it, it's been better. And here the Lord's blessing me here tonight with this text. When he will save his life, shall lose it. Now, we're here just waiting upon God to be taught how to give our lives entirely over to the Lord so we'll know then how to begin to wait upon God. You see, until we lose our life, we're just then beginning to learn how to wait upon him. But you see, if we save our life, it's estranged from waiting upon God. It's the reverse. And most all people, and I was praying this evening about uh, how, what the tendency is of all church people to say themselves. And I was astonished at the percent. It's way up so high. I didn't pray with you, men of God. But when I found out how many percent of the church people, uh, ministers that are trying to save themselves and not let the Holy Ghost lead them, it's an alarming thing. It's a way up, way up there. And so Lot wanted to save himself, but placed his wife in jeopardy lost her. She went to death. She went to death because he wanted to save himself. See, when we try to save ourselves for ourselves, then we bring someone to death. Yes, sir. Beside ourselves. See, and this is the teachings of Jesus. He that will save himself shall be lost. Amen. See, I didn't write this. This has been written long ago, and it's true. And I didn't read it in a book, but the Holy Spirit has revealed it to me. And this is worth more than all the money, all the gold, all the silver, all the pearls, all the diamonds, all the jewels, all the stocks and bonds that this world knows about. This is worth more than that. And most people don't know it. Because the flesh in us is so strong, the self is so domineering that Jesus is crowded out of the life. 
most of the time. So Jesus says, whosoever will save his life, whoever it is, to make him true it is, and he will be lost. What a serious, tragic truth. But I'm glad he told us. See, we can't have church without the leading of the Holy Spirit. We cannot have a meeting without the guidance of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And if we attempt to do it, we simply are in a desolate place. We're going in circles in a wilderness. Whosoever will save his life. So we work so hard in the flesh to save our lives. Uh, to know what to do in the church and to plan this and to plan this program. We think we've got to have this program. We've got to get somebody here to do something. Listen, let's wait till the Holy Spirit leaves. Yeah, but we don't want to wait. We've got to get something going because the people are discouraged. Pray, it'll help us. Obey, we'll not be discouraged. Don't get a program started until the Holy Spirit leads it. Amen. Don't get anything going until the Holy Ghost leads it. Wait on the Lord till he leads it. Yeah, but we want to do something. Well, don't do anything. The greatest thing you're ever going to do is trust God with all your heart and to lean out your own understanding. That's the greatest thing you're going to do. You say, well, how about winning of a soul? Well, if I win a soul and I don't trust the Lord with all my heart and I lean to my own understanding, then that convert's going to pattern after me and they'll be lost. See, if we get a soul saved and we live after the pattern of saving ourselves and leaning to our own understanding and the absence of a whole, wholehearted trust, then you see we're bringing the people with us to despair. Remember how beautiful the church is, how beautiful the preaching is, how mighty it is. God must be the leader. Jesus must be the guide. He's the great shepherd. We must do exactly what he says and be pure and holy. So we must be a holy people, a pure people. And Lot grieved God. And those daughters, you see, they were, they, were, they were working their best to seduce their father. And I want you to know that we've got to be holy all the time in every area uh, because we're all weak. We're all weak. And we're likely to succumb to temptation unless we're sufficiently dead to self and hate the devil and pray enough and obey every leading. If we don't obey every leading, you see, then there's not strength to resist the devil. Yes. See, the obedience of doing God's will gives us the strength to do what God says to do. Amen. And say, get behind me, Satan. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with Jesus doing God's will, not what the self in me wants. So we are to be a pure people, a holy people. And Lot failed because he wanted to save himself. Wanted to save himself. In the kingdom of King Ahasuerus, there was a man by the name of Haman that was promoted and became greater and greater in the kingdom, 126 or seven provinces. And his, uh, he was prestigious. He had station. He had recognition. He had abilities. He had rare gifts. And he said, I am somebody. I'm really able. I'm really a, a person of ability. And he was promoted more and more, became elevated. And he was working all the while to save himself and get himself in a better state of affairs. He was working to get himself saved and get something for himself. And all the while he was becoming so 
high in the realm of the kingdom, he was working back home to build a guillotine. Whenever you work hard to save yourself back in secret, there's things going on that nobody else knows about that's going to destroy. Every person that works to benefit himself, there is a destroying factor that's very deep that'll come out later. Now that's worth the coming here to know. See, I don't have any notes here. And, and Haman began to be very, very high in the, in the land, in the kingdom. It was such a marvelous uh, thing, he thought, that he, he said, well, I'm really some person to look at and know because I've got something now. The king's helping me. He's really elevating me in the, in the kingdom. But one night the king couldn't sleep. He was not able to sleep. So he walked the floor. And uh, he brought in the men, the chamberlains were with him, and they came in and they said, uh, uh, I'm not able to rest. Uh, there's surely some message for me. And they said, well, uh, I believe we should get the book of the Chronicles and look it over, examine, because there may be something you need to know. He said, well, that's good. So they did. They brought it in and they began to review. And they said, wait just a minute, Your Honor. Look here. Look at this. He said, what have you found? We have just located this tremendous, tremendous event. Well, he said, what on what wise is it? Well, they said, look, we find here in this account that there was a man at the palace gate. And this man stayed there. He's unknown. He's, he's an unknown. But he was at the palace gate and he overheard a plot to take your life. The king said, what? Yes. They said they, he overheard that your life was going to be taken and this man named Mordecai heard it losing his life to help the king. See, he stayed at the gate. He, he, didn't, he didn't plow in the crops. He didn't attend his work. That was his work, was to get to the gate and see what he could do to help. And he was the instrument to save the king's life. See, he was not getting anything for himself. Now the other man, he's working to save himself and to be prestigious and of high status and high ranking and really become somebody. And the king said, this, this is amazing. This is something to be noticed. This is something I recognize. Has this man been recognized? Has he been honored? No, king, your honor. There hasn't been one thing done for this man that's been at the gate to, was used to save your life. Well, he said, I, I want to do something to show my appreciation. I get a little tickling in my throat and I need just a little water. Excuse me. It helps. And he said, I, I, want, I want to honor this man. Of course, he didn't know who he was. Didn't know. He didn't know he was the uncle of the queen. Because he had told, Mordecai had told Queen Esther, if you're made queen, don't mention me, but I'll be nearby. I'll, I'll kind of listen and see what's going on, but I don't need any attention or recognition. I'll just be down here serving best I can. 
losing his life, giving it away. Didn't have any he didn't have any income. You know, there's not much of a crop at the King's Gate. There's not many businesses down there to prosper in. Oh, there's not much going on. But he had other business. His business was to help save the king, serve the king. Are you serving the king? Are you following the king? Are you doing your utmost for the king, for your neighbor and your friend? Well, the king began to meditate. He said, what, what may I do? What could I do to honor such a man? He said, well, what I'll do, I'll just ask one of my princes in the morning and see what they think I ought to do to honor such a man that's been used like this to save my life. And so when Haman came in that morning, and he was very, very helped within himself and built up and saying, I've really accomplished a lot. I've got really status with this king. I'm somebody in the realm of this province here. And so they, they greeted one another. And the king said, Haman, what could I do? What would you suggest I do to honor a man that I delight to honor. I've got a man in the kingdom I want to honor. And Haman took a walk through the corridors of his mind. He said, who could be more honorable than me? And who would he ever want to honor more than I am? Because he's helped me and lifted me up. And, and uh, where would there be a man that would be more uh, apt to be honored than me? And he, he said to himself, I, I surely am that man. So he said, King, I'll tell you what you to do. And he began to tell him what he was going to do with the king's raiments and so on and the horse and the chariot. And, and he said, now you just have him to lead that man to the city on the king's uh, chariot or the horse or whatever it was. And you go before him and cry, this is the man that the king delighted to honor. That's what you do, king. He said, likewise do to Mordecai. You take, the, you take and do everything for him that you just told me you'd like to have done. And there he was, humiliated, falling. He had worked so hard to save himself. See, he's, no, but he's falling now. He's, he's losing now. See, he's worked hard to save himself. Now he thinks it's something else for himself. And so he tells what to do, and now he's on the way out. And he has to go through the streets of the city, crying, this is the man the king delighted to honor, and that's Mordecai. The final analysis, of course, Haman's life is taken on his own guillotine. The man that had been faithful, he is now honored and lifted. See, one man tried to save himself, and the other one was serving. He that will save his life shall lose it. See how the teachings of Jesus applies to the book of Esther. See, Jesus' teachings and preachings that day went back to tell about what took place in the book of Esther, as well as the book of Genesis. I'd like to go into the life of Moses and David, Zedekiah and Jonah, where in this same teaching of Jesus applied, he that will save his life shall lose it. And so it's constantly a time of resisting the devil and denying self and going with God in order that we will not save our life, 
not try to arrange it, but simply give it all over and follow what Jesus leads and guides and directs. So we're in this waiting to learn that we're not to save ourselves, but we're to learn to obey God, obey Jesus. This is what we're here to learn, is how to wait and know the voice of Jesus. The voice of Jesus operates in my heart. The voice of Jesus is not an audible voice. It's an inner operation within you. It's right here in your heart. And very seldom does God speak to us in an audible voice. It's possible, but most usually, generally, usually, always, he operates in the Holy Spirit in your heart. And that operates in my heart, as I tell you. So we will recognize the voice of God, the voice of Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit because they're all one. See, the Trinity, they're one. The Holy Spirit indwells you. Jesus is with God at the Father's side. He indwells, and then he operates in the heart. The Holy Spirit does the operation, the, the revealing. And therefore, then we learn what we are to do. Now, when God revealed to me in family worship that we were to come to Indianapolis for the waiting upon God in the month of March and come here on August 22 and 23, he revealed it by the Holy Spirit in my heart. He that will save his life, that person, Jesus said, will lose it. We had time we would go into other uh, biblical word, uh, biblical stories, and apply the same spiritual truth that Jesus gave us in the New Testament. But we haven't time, and we haven't strength. I trust that you will examine your heart and see whether or not you need to be saved, whether you need to be brought back to a reinstatement. You need to be. Coming back to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I've been arranging my life too long. I've been working it out. I've been doing what I want to do. See, a lot of times we're uh, way back when we got started, we didn't get the job we were supposed to have. And so we've had a lot of trials. And uh, you, you can't tell people to correct that unless God leads them. But the young people, be sure that you wait upon God till he gives you the guidance of the job you are to be uh, taking, the work you're to be taking, so that you will be exactly where Jesus leads you, that all the people you're with is likely to be saved if they'll hear. Now, if you make the choice of yourself, you see, then there's no power to bring them in. So you just go on existing, you know, fighting each day to try to make it, because it's a dark world. You're going round and round. So it's important to get the right position and the right companion. If you get the wrong companion, uh, then you have turmoil and conflict and division and unhappiness and distress. If you wait till Jesus leads you, you say, but I can't wait. Well, you better wait because if you don't, you're going to be far worse off. When you want something, you're working to save your life. When you try to get a companion in the flesh, you're trying to save yourself so you'll have some time in your flesh. In companionship, not ordered of God. See, we need to wait for the Holy Spirit to lead us so we'll have companionship in the Spirit. And what God leads is different than what self appoints or chooses. 
uh, and it works. What he leads works. What we decide brings us distress and unhappiness, and there isn't any exception of it. Uh, so we must wait, young men and women, to be sure that God leads us to the school he wants us at. See, the Lord revealed to me that Kent Buzz was to go to Tutty University. See, my head wanted him in Asbury College. God said, no, he is to go to Teddy University. He went to Teddy University, this Amen. wonderful young man that we love so much, and you all love him, but know him. And he was obedient, and he went to Teddy University uh, to get the background for his medical degree. And he was told by a physician, by a medical man, that if he went to Teddy University, he would never become a medical doctor. I reviewed this with him the other day. This medical doctor, a very, very intelligent man, a very, very able man, he said to Kent, he said, if you go to Teddy University, you will not be able to get your medical degree. Do you remember that, Weston Dorothy? And you see, he had a big thing on his hands because here is a tremendous scholar and a man marvelous in the work, a wonderful physician. And he felt that if Kent were to go to the school, a little school like that, that he wouldn't be able to get his medical degree. He was sincere. Uh, but you see, ho the Holy Spirit said that Kent would get his medical degree and he'd go by the way of Teddy University. Now you see, it looked like it wasn't reasonable. But the Holy Spirit witnessed for him to go to Teddy University. Amen. And he went. Hey, believe me. Praise God. And now he's got his medical degree. Amen. Because he was willing to do it. And because he did that, now he has a beautiful companion. She's sitting right down here. Stand up, honey. He put an emergency pacemaker in a person this morning. Praise the Lord. Here's his wife, Leanne. And you see, you have him because Jesus was able to have his way with him. Oh, yeah, boy. Praise the Lord. This is precious because he did what Jesus wanted him. Uh, to do, and now he has you, and you have him, and you're so happy. Both of you are so happy. Your love affair is great. I don't know how it could be better. I don't either. <laughs> uh, it's a fact. Thank you, honey. You you want to testify for Jesus? You may. Seems to get better and better. Oh, yeah. I don't. You know, I've heard where you uh, say that yeah. uh, couples say, "Well, I don't know where his flaw is. I've been married for so many years, and I don't know it yet." That's the way it is. He's just so sweet. Uh -huh. yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's great. There aren't any... You don't see any weaknesses, do you? You just love him so much and he loves you until you're so together that there is... That just seems like he just... He puts uh, the Holy Spirit in the gears of life and you just go right along. You're having such a great time that you can't hardly get over it. He's so helpful. He does so many things for me. It's... <laughs> See, he's been taught, and he, and he prays to know what he's to do for you. And you pray to know how you can help him. And you get that together, and you've got a great love affair. When Jesus has led it, you see, because John and Janet give up their, their job nationwide. Oliver told me in 71 that John would be a millionaire in 10 years. And they give it all up to come down in a little place in Macedonia, down in Parker City, to help us. No, they didn't know... We trusted, I said, we trust God for their salary every month, for their salary. All the people we trust God for. But they give it all up to come down to be with us. 
by faith, not knowing how we were going to continue. And then Kent has you because of it. And you have Kent. I'm sure glad they did because it's hard telling where in the world we'd be. Because I, I remember when I was in the sixth, fifth or sixth grade when we came and I was just into track and my, the coach said, oh, I hope to see you in the 1984 Olympics. And, you know, that was long gone after we left there. And I was just really glad that we were able to head the right direction. That's right. <laughs> Get in the place where Jesus wanted you. Amen. See, it looked like they lost all. They, it looked like it to the world because he had a prestigious assignment of teaching supervisors and nationwide insurance. He wasn't just teaching the ordinary salesman. It was the supervisors in this state and that state. And he was ready to make money and go right up to the vice presidency, go ring on up in the company. But he, he gave it all up, just lost it to come down to help us little pilgrims, nothing people. And then you found Kent and he found you and you're having such a wonderful time. That's worth everything right there. See how that illustrates what we're talking about? It looked like he was going to lose it if he went to Ted University because he was told by a very, very prominent person that he would not become a medical doctor there. So he would, you see, he had to lose. He just had to lose it and say, well, there it is. He just lost it. But he didn't. He found it. Amen. He has it. See how that principle applies? Because of the Lord, because of the Holy Spirit, not because of any of us, but because the Holy Ghost said for him to go to Ted University. Now he's a medical doctor. And then, since he and Scott were roommates, then it was, That's it right. just all worked out. Well, really it's, it's a marvel. Now, they're having a love affair just like you and Ken. Yes, oh, yeah, they're having a great time. Lynn and Scott are having the same time. It's a fact. You see, Jesus revealed to me that Scott was to be a medical doctor, too. And the months before they were to go to Ted University, revealed that you were to go there instead of Asbury. God revealed to me that they were to become room, roommates. Yes, so I talked to Weston, I talked to Emory, and I said, God shows me that these two young men are to room together. They're both scholars. And you see, if you get two young men together and one of them talks a half hour a day, they're not going to get their lessons. They're going to pluck out, going to wash out. But I said, these young men, I told them, I said, now I have 15 minutes to pray and pray and pray and pray, and then you get in your books and study. Because I said, you, that's the only way you can become a medical doctor. And I know you're going to have to pray, and you're going to pray and read the Bible, uh, and just leave it in the hands of Jesus, because when you get through this, you're going to have a mission field. See, they're both on a great mission field. And they did that. They became roommates. And they had such a wonderful time together of studying. And now they are medical doctors because Jesus told us what to do and they did it. They believed it. And God has given you help. Praise the Lord. Thank you for standing. So we simply give it over and let the Lord lead. Amen. Remember the service in the morning at 7 o'clock.